Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss Sony's Open Devices project, along with their brand new Xperia 1.3 device, making me ask myself, is it time to switch to a Sony phone? Then we take a look at Snapdragon branded phone made by Zeus, where they've thrown everything and the kitchen sink inside to try to impress you, and we'll see if they nail that objective. Then we head to the camera corner, where Wendy will discuss macro lighting and more ways to get that shot. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire, along with hardware enthusiast, and Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, rumor is you did something with hardware. I did, sort of. Actually, I've done multiple things with hardware. I've reset up my uh, recording studio, or as I call it, desk. And this is a change that I did with my camera. I got a new setup for my camera. I got a new uh, mounting, like a camera mount for my desk. And I also got some new lighting setups to make, to make the whole encompassing thing. Uh, technically, that's hardware. Well, did all of this stuff start off in a box that sat for months? Or is this like, hey, I got all this stuff and set it up immediately? Well, actually, the lights have been out of the box for a long time. And they just weren't used because I didn't have they didn't look good on the other camera. So until I could get the better camera set up, uh, I didn't use them really. But they were out of the box for a while. However, when I got the mount to mount the camera on it, I took it out within the first two hours of it being in my place. Wow, that's a record. Yeah. Right? You. I'm learning. Now, since this is hardware addicts and people may want to pick up some of this hardware themselves, is there anything you got, like the lights or something in particular that you liked a lot and would be willing to share the brand that you purchased on the show? Because just knowing you got some lights and a mount and all that stuff, but yeah, what's yeah, one yeah. of the brands you really like? So I did a couple things. So I got a, I, I talked about it roughly previously before on the show. I remember that the lights I got that were stupid app requirement that needed my GPS. In oh, order I to remember. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I got a replacement for those, which is awesome because they uh, you just change it directly on the device. So that that brand is a Lido Photo. I don't. I'm not sure if I said it right or whatever, but we'll have links in the in the show notes for it. But there's also other lights that I got, which are RGB floodlights, which are really cool because I needed to have like a lot of light on my wall behind me when I record, but I also didn't want to modify the wall in any way because it's a you know it's in a rental so i don't want to you know be you on want to the... paint walls and all that yeah. stuff so basically wendy is anti-unicorn throw up or yeah. rgb and yeah. you went vomit, full yes. rgb i yes i went full bore full full rg bore yes because... i have nothing wrong with some of those great accent lights on your set it's more why does the computer need to glow at all times? Yeah, I mean, that that that, that part is kind of excessive in, in a way that sometimes they have like just it's completely wrapped in uh, lights and stuff because they're not really doing anything. These are lights that have a purpose, right? They're they're giving ambiance to the content and that sort of stuff. And Setting the mood. Yes, exactly. They're they're mood stabilizers. Now the the man, uh, you nerds are way too fancy for me. You drinking wine too <laughs> while you're looking at your lights? Actually, no, but, no. I'm even more super fancy and drinking hard kombucha. Ooh, that that is fancy right there. <laughs> so uh, the other thing I got is an Elgato uh, mount, a uh, multi mount or whatever it's called. I think it's called a multi mount, and it's basically a mount that allows you to um, like uh, mount it to your desk like a clamp for a, like a monitor would have. But it has a, it has a tripod with a ball mount so that you can man, ma, uh, maneuver it wherever you need it to be, and that so far has been working out quite well. I know this week in Linux and Destination Linux looked fantastic with the new camera setup. Thank you very much. I agree. It was uh, I actually compared the two, like the other camera versus that camera, and it's not even close. 
it makes me kind of mad at myself that I allowed it for so long to be that bad. <laughs> and as far as a camera goes, you're using the Sony mirrorless. Yes. The 6800? Uh, no, the A6100. Nice. So, Wendy, what have you been up to in the hardware world? Well, this is where I have to hang my head and be the Michael this week because I haven't done absolutely anything in We've hardware. We've changed spots. Yes. We did. At Between swimming part. lessons and getting a new car to save on gas mileage, that's as far as my technology adventures have gone other than the usual day-to-day stuff. So you've got to have something really cool, Ryan. That's a shame, Wendy. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to redo the intro here. I'd like to welcome my two co-hosts, Wendy, the hardware Padawan, and Michael, (laughs) the hardware enthusiast. Yes, that is so fantastic. Not true, and it's, but I'll take it. That'll teach you, Wendy. Next week, you better show it with some hardware or else. I'll have something, I I promise. I'm a Jedi now. So I have the Bowers and Wilkins PX headphones on my mind because I did a video on them recently and they are something to be admired. They are truly beautiful. I've never had Bowers and Wilkins headphones and these are Bluetooth headphones. So I'm usually opposed to a lot of the Bluetooth, although it's gotten much, much better over the years than when all the phone manufacturers started removing the ports out or headphone jacks. That was way too early because uh, the Bluetooth technology wasn't ready, but it's gotten much better. So there are a lot of good headphones out there that are Bluetooth now that fall into that kind of prosumer, kind of amateur audiophile realm. And the Bowers and Wilkins PX series runs about $350 to $400. So you're putting down a pretty penny for these headphones, but the experience, the sound you get out of them is phenomenal. So I have a video out there on my channel kind of covering them. But I'll tell you the thing I love most about them. And I mentioned this in the channel so many times I had to cut it out in my video editing because I just kept mentioning it. And I still mentioned it too many times in my video, which is there are no touch controls. Thank goodness. You actually have physical buttons and there's no Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa or any of that other nonsense built into them. Oh, that alone. They win. They win. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They are just straight up old school but good quality headphones. They have the noise cancellation built in. They have one little frill, whereas if you take them off your ears and place them down, which you can turn off if you don't like it through the app, they'll automatically shut off and preserve the power. But outside of that, they spent all of their time on the quality of the headphones themselves, which is incredible. And of course, the quality of the sound, which is if you like music in the mids and high range, so things that outside of, you know, like dubstep and stuff, you you will just, you, you <laughs> dubstep's great, but you will absolutely love these. What I mean is they don't have those really deep lows like a Beats headphone would have. Right. But they have more of the accurate representation of the music. So you're going to hear the artist take breaths. You're going to hear all the individual instruments. And it's so good. You find that right song. Might make you cry, Michael. Maybe uh, at some point I might get to try your headphones because I don't know if I'm going to get those. <laughs> uh, maybe actually I looked I looked at your video and it looked very interesting. So uh, potentially it might be on my list for a future. I think everybody should check out your video on this because it is very illuminating. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new managed MongoDB service which is a fully managed database as a service, or DeBoss. With managed MongoDB, they don't call it DeBoss, I call it DeBoss. With managed MongoDB, you can focus more on building scalable, high-performance apps and less on maintaining the database. Simply offload your MongoDB administration to DigitalOcean and let them handle all the provisioning for you and the managing and the scaling and the updates and the backups and security of your clusters as, as well. DigitalOcean built this service in partnership with MongoDB Inc., and together, they have ensured that you will get access to all of the latest releases of MongoDB's document database as they become available. And as a listener of the Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN dash Mongo. Again, that's do.co slash DLN dash Mongo, DLN dash M-O-N. G-O, to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new Managed MongoDB. 
And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So this week, Sony made it on my radar because I've been seeing all of these videos and articles on the unveiling of the Xperia 1 3 device. Michael, stop right now. I know you want to say something about the stupidity of the name. I would never do such a thing. It's awful. Xperia 1 3. I mean, that is, that's... It's an amazing, uh, badly, amazingly bad name because it's it could just be so much easier if they just said a letter and then the three, but it or just call it the Xperia 3 or whatever. It's such a weird choice. Also, to be clear, people, it's not a 1-3. It's a 1-I-I-I. That's true. Yeah. It's <laughs> Roman numerals. It's like marking off the people it's murdered or something on a wall that the scratches. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It, it's weird. It's a weird name, but the phone itself is pretty cool. But what makes any Sony announcement in the phone market to me more interesting mm-hmm. is the work they're doing with the Android open source project. Are you familiar with this at all, Michael? I am familiar with their open hardware stuff or something like that. I, I know that Sony is one of the few companies that does like open access for like bootloaders and that sort of stuff. So I don't know exactly how they do it, but I have heard they are one of the few, if not only the only one now, because I think I think LG did it. But now that LG is no longer making phones, maybe not. LG did it. You used to be able to unlock HTCs pretty easy, but I don't even know if you can get an HTC device anymore. Well, I think they're still out there. They haven't gone the way of LG, but certainly Sony has been a big part of this open project, Android open source project. And it's applicable to some of their Xperia devices, not all of them. I do hope it actually expands across their entire portfolio, including the Xperia 1.3. Because I think that this really is something that differentiates Sony from the rest of the phone manufacturers out there currently. And the Android open source project means that Android open source project software will be open for any developer to use and contribute to. And this is Sony's way of supporting what they're calling the open Android community, which includes things like build guides, kernel compilation guides. So you can make your own Linux kernel, access to UART ports, which allows the developer to observe boot and debug messages, kernel development, interacting with the system via shell. Now, this program is not new. This didn't drop, obviously, with the Xperia 1.3. It's been out there, but it's the only company, the only major hardware company in a long time that I can think of right now that's providing guides for interacting with the physical pins, the bootloader, and Mm -hmm. allowing you to do something completely different because... As I've said on this show before, Android is boring. iOS is completely boring. I'm not, I I really don't feel like I'm speaking alone here because everyone I speak to in the community feels the same way. It used to be so exciting when a new OS or a new version of iOS or a new version of Android came out. Now I hear about it and I just want to fall asleep. Yeah, I remember when we had, uh, you know, news about Cupcake was releasing or Donut was releasing and then Eclair and then... Kit Something Kat. else. Was it Kit Kat? Yeah. I know that that happened, but I don't know what the order it was. But after after that, I just, I don't know why. I just, They're I just all desserts caring. in alphabetical order, you know. Right. But I just stopped caring about what they were doing because it didn't matter. You used to get these really cool, huge jumps between the versions of Android where the UI was so much more usable or there were these really great additional features and any more there's really no major difference in the updates other than they might change. This is more rounded. I think the last really good thing that they added in general was being able to put a dark mode universally across your device. This is why there is this symbiotic relationship between the software and the hardware. The hardware has continued to get more and more exciting with these phones. You're getting these incredible specs. These phones are more powerful than most people's computers. But the software is so boring, nobody cares. And that's where I think things like Sony going into and working hard with the open source community to try to find some alternatives or some different Android versions that the community is working on and creating. Something like Sailfish OS, where their lines of devices like the Xperia 10, 5, X, XA, XZ, Z, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, all the terrible names of all their phones that are actually pretty (laughs) awesome. 
but have terrible names. All of those all support this open project. And when you go to a site like Sailfish OS, which is an alternative to your, your standard Android, you'll see that it supports all these Xperia devices because they can actually hack away on this phone with any of these phones that are in this program. I think Selfish actually like has the Sony Xperia line as the default phone that you should get to use Selfish. Exactly. Yep, that's what they have on their site. And I really would like to see them open this up to like the Xperia 1.3, have a flagship phone in this program. Why not do that? Some alternative OS that's not disappointing like Google Android's newest releases will be or the 50,000 messengers that they're going to switch to between now and the next device <laughs> release. It's just, and, and Apple's no better here. Absolutely no better. They're, they're both unbelievably boring compared to where they used to be. But this is hardware addicts. So while that's interesting and it does make me interested in getting a Sony phone, I want to talk about the Xperia 1.3 specs because they're pretty, they're pretty drool worthy here, I think anyways. They threw everything in this phone. Well, they, they almost threw everything and then Qualcomm came up, but that's another, we're going to get to the Qualcomm Snapdragon phone here in a second, but 120 hertz screen, 6.5 inches, 21 by nine, 4k HDR OLED display in a phone. Yeah, that is crazy. Triple camera array with four optical focal lengths. Wendy, can you translate? That gives you so much more range. So think of a lens that doesn't have any zoom in it. That has a set focal length. You can't physically zoom in and out. So if you have three separate focal lengths, you have more choice in how much that camera is seeing from a hardware standpoint instead of doing it from the software side. Man, I'm so glad we have Wendy on this show. You get an optical <laughs> telephoto lens, seriously, up to 105 millimeters as well. You get real-time tracking, real-time IAF for humans and animals, Qualcomm Snapdragon 888, which is the fastest Snapdragon, I think, on the market right now, lets you shoot photos in raw format. I think that's speaking to Wendy a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Me, me, I'd be like, where's the JPEG so I could save space? But Wendy wants that raw. And then contrast ratio of a million to one, you get a, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know if I can say this. What? Am I allowed to say this on the show? I, I mean, this... I mean, I, I think you might, you might, you got to risk it. You got to risk it. Just right, do here it. Here we go. You get a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. Oh my <gasps> goodness. The courage, kidding. the courage jack exists. They, they put an audio jack in a phone. Woohoo! I still use the audio jack on my phone almost every single night. So yes. Please. No dongle yeah. required. <laughs> no dongle when I required. tried to hook up, by the way, when I did that video on the Bowers and Wilkins, you can obviously um, set them up 3.5 millimeter and connect them into your computer, your phones, or other things. But the iPhone 12 has no, of course, 3.5 millimeter jack. And uh, you can get a dongle, though. So I have a dongle hanging off my phone, like two inches, and then the headphones plugged into that but then i wanted to set up a dac so i had the dongle the 3.5 millimeter into the the amplifier and then that back out to the headphones it, it looked like i was part <laughs> borg at the end see i thought that's what you did with apple apple was the place where you'd have dongles everywhere it's dongles yeah and samsung made fun of them but then went and did the same thing which is kind of a trend now with samsung has anybody else noticed this that samsung comes out makes fun of apple and then does the exact same thing Apple, they made fun of Apple for. They did the same thing with the batteries, yeah. They did it with the batteries. And the chargers. They did it recently with the chargers yep. and the 3.5 millimeter jack. I'm sure it was the same thing. But I, I remember like, oh, a Samsung phone, you get a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. And then poof, the next version, it went away. Yeah. Uh, there's so a lot of companies gosh. that are doing that, that sort of thing where they... They make fun of Apple for doing something. They're like, you know what? We should copy them anyway because we have no idea of, our, of their own. So, I think they can't believe how stupid the public is. I think that Samsung legitimately goes out there and like, oh my gosh, Apple's going to get so much crap for this. Nobody's going to buy that phone. Oh my gosh, everyone bought it. All right, well, that's a great way to save money. I think I, it's. I, really think I think they should. Happen. They should consider more about what Apple's doing versus like the the the, the cost to rate the ratio of like good value versus good idea. I don't think that has anything to do with the reason people get iPhones. I think it's a it's either a software thing, or it's a prestige brand. Um, you know, 
classification that Apple already has. So they already convinced people to get it. It doesn't matter if there's a dongle requirement or not. Well, for me, I have to have a mainstream OS because there are apps that my work requires that are only on the mainstream app stores. And it's kind of a requirement. And so in that case, when I look at privacy, I'm going to go Apple. But the Sony's got me thinking different here, Michael. I'm like, man, maybe I could cross load some Selfish OS. Maybe I could get kind of awesome. side load the Android store on here and be able to get to those apps still and get away from both these ecosystems. And that would be amazing. You get 360 reality audio, full stage stereo speakers built into the front of the phone. We can't even what? get laptop manufacturers to do this, by the way. They, they still want to put the speakers on the bottom of the laptop, but Sony figured it out with their phone. He's like, hey, maybe we should have the speakers pointing to the people who are actually going to use it. Crazy idea. And this I really sense. love. You can record video 4K HDR 100 or 120 frame per second slow motion and 24, 25, 30, and 60 frames per second in there as well. So you've got a ton of recording options. Wow. This is really useful for someone like me who needs to do quick shots of products and things for videos. You had this phone, you're getting some amazing recording capability here. The last Sony phone that I owned that would even be close to this size was the Sony Xperia Z Ultra. And that thing was a phablet. It wasn't really a phone and it wasn't really a tablet. It was in that middle phablet range and i loved it i loved it so much so it makes me really want this this phone seems to be similar to that because i i saw some like hands-on stuff about it and the size of this phone is basically in the phablet range but also it's really tall because of that 21 by 9 ratio that they went with it looks it looks like a beast though like it looks awesome but and also they because the way they did the shape it does seem like you still hold it pretty easily and I think that's a very, very good to see that they're doing that. But like Sony has been just killing it with super awesome, powerful phones while also not going into the the realm of the cliche, ridiculous, you know, follow the leader type of stuff with all the other, you know, trying to do some 3D bokeh attachments and stuff and whatever. And what I think is really cool about this is that I don't know if it's, I mean, obviously I'm not the camera person on the show. So, but the autofocus for Sony's autofocus is so impressive to see it on the phone. That blows my mind. Thing is, Sony makes the sensors for most of the cameras on mobile devices out there. So they are experts in the field when it comes to making these tiny cameras for a mobile device. So of course, especially with their flagship, they are going to put the best one in there. That's very cool. All right. So maybe, Michael, Wendy, you're counting your dollars. You're thinking, am I going to get one of these phones, man? Ryan's really sold me on this thing. But we're going to play Take My Money here. But it's just between two phones this time. You've got the Sony. I've given you the specs. I've laid it all out of how awesome it is. But then Qualcomm Snapdragon phone. So Qualcomm is so impressed with their own chip. They're now making their own <laughs> Snapdragon branded phone which is being designed by zeus this phone will come with the snapdragon 888 plus all right you got a little plus in there so they're raising the clock speed what do you get with that plus i'm glad you asked michael you go Thanks. from 2.84 gigahertz to 2.99 gigahertz it's like that turbo button on the front <laughs> yeah, of the it's, it's slightly <laughs> better but still not that much of a difference not that much of a difference. You also get an Adreno 660 GPU, 16 gigabytes of LPDDR5 memory, and 512 gigabytes of UFS 3.1 wait, storage. Wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop, stop. You've got 16 gigs in a phone. In a phone that's not meant for gaming. Correct. Holy crap. I mean, I think a lot of people listening right now don't have that much memory in their laptops, you know, or their desktop computer for that matter. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's, it's now sitting inside of a phone. And if that's not enough for you, how about a 6.78 inch Samsung AMOLED panel with 144 hertz and one millisecond response time at 2448 by 1080 resolution? So if you thought the Sony looked like a phablet, this is going to look even more like a phablet. 
it's a pretty beautiful screen that they're putting in there. And I love the 144 hertz with the one millisecond response time. If only gaming was actually good on mobile, <laughs> that would be something right. to be amazing. They even take it a step further with a 1200 nit peak brightness. That is bright. And it supports HDR10 and HDR10+. And remember when we talked about the color scales with Wendy and Wendy schooled us on how all these color scales work? Well, if oh, yeah. you didn't, then you need to go back and listen to that episode because then this will make much more sense to you. This phone has that covered really well with 150.89% coverage of the sRGB color gamut, 106.87% NTSC, and 111.23% of the DCI-P3 scale. So to put that plainly, it has extremely great color accuracy if it is color calibrated. And if you take pictures with this device and then look at them on something else, you may be a bit disappointed. Yeah. 8K and 4K video capture. They what? threw the 8K in there. Oh, what? 24 megapixel camera on the front with a 27 millimeter equivalent focal length. As as Wendy has told us, megapixel is the most important piece of any camera, right? <laughs> Don't think Wendy uh, no. said that. Oh, um, oh, my bad. That's interesting. You might want to go back yourself, Michael, and listen to some <laughs> of the hardware. Uh, on, on the back, you get a 64 megapixel Sony IMX686 sensor with the F1.8 for the main camera chores and a 12 megapixel ultra-wide Sony IMX363 sensor F2.2 and an 8 megapixel telephoto lens with three times optical zoom and up to 12 times total zoom. Yep, there's the Sony sensors again. Mm-hmm. Sony sensors, yeah. You're not going to get away from those Sony sensors inside the phone. How about audio? Well, it also has front firing and bottom side firing speakers. So they put speakers all around this thing with <laughs> aptics com- compatibility and multiple sound profiles to choose from, whether you're doing music, video games, voice enhancements, as well as four HDR microphones with a dynamic range of 114 decibels. It also comes with a set of master and dynamic earbuds as that little cherry on top of the ice cream. This is a beast of a phone. Wow. Can we, can we all agree I mean, I, I'm still kind of shocked at all the spelling. Every time you said another spec, it's like, oh, it's it keeps going. Okay. Like, <laughs> when does it, when will it stop? I mean, it's crazy. I think these things have better everything than a lot of laptops out there, really. I mean, that, that's what I keep going back to. Creators of mobile devices are actually putting more time and thought into the hardware specs than the laptop producers. And the crazy Mm. thing is, to get these same specs in a much smaller device, you're paying about the same amount as you would for the laptop. I I couldn't disagree with you. I mean, I think that we really, I miss seeing, well, Sony Vio, frankly, is a, a perfect point of that. We talked about that in past episodes where they were laptops that felt like the designers loved computers. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to put everything they could to make a beautiful product versus just trying to get the stock ticker to go up another point and sell as many as they could. They they really were passionate about what they were creating and what they were putting out in the market and what it meant for their name. Now these companies realize, well, if we put 80% of the products out that are terrible and we only have 20% of our products that are very good, consumers have a short memory and they won't care anyways. Yeah. And there used to be pride in the fact that, you know, like when you bought something that was from Sony, you'd really saved up your money. You'd got something good or Samsung or otherwise. But now all these companies have kind of polluted their supply chain with so much junk. HP is a perfect example of this. Create some of the best laptops, frankly, I've put in my hands. But I avoided them for so long because my only experience with them up to that point was all of their junk their lower end junk, which was just that. And it really ruined their name for me. And I think for a lot of people as well. And I think that's why the LG phones went the way of the Dodo Bird, because there were some phones that were absolutely fantastic. And I've had so many different brands of phones and varieties of phones over the years. I used to hop phones more than Ryan Hop's laptops. Like it was crazy the amount of phone hopping that I was doing. <laughs> so I've had insane. all these different phones and I've had LGs that were just absolutely amazing in their build quality. And mm. then the next one, it was a never ending issue where the hardware itself was failing and you get tired of sending it in for repair. It's kind of interesting because LG was one of those examples where they could make something amazing 
but then completely lose their way and just the next device would be weird and broken. And then the next one after that would be amazing again and then repeated. And then with Sony, they used to be the go-to for the best quality of anything for, for a long time. And then they got rid of Vio and they got rid of other stuff and they kind of started like kind of, you know, dying down in terms of like being that, you know, quintessential example. But with these latest phones, this 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 one, also the Sony Pro, the Xperia Pro, is very impressive. Like they, it makes me want to get a Sony phone because there's so much cool stuff with these phones. Like for example, the the fact that you can attach one of these phones to a camera if you have like a Sony uh, mirrorless or whatever, you can connect the HDMI to the phone and use that phone as an external monitor of your camera that that is amazing like why yeah that's badness yeah. i just love that i can't even i, I wouldn't even thought of something for like that to what i would won't even want to do that but you can and that is so cool so out of the two phones here the qualcomm snapdragon phone i mean you get the plus the 888 plus which one screams take my money to any of you michael we'll start with you well okay i'll be honest they both scream take my money <laughs> but uh which one do i like the most I, I don't know. I, I think that this the Snapdragon's power seems like all the specs seem really good. But I also fear that this is a one off because it's a Qualcomm phone. And I is this the first phone they've ever done? I'm pretty sure. I'm not aware of another one. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how, how long how how uh, comfortable I would be getting a phone from a company that's mostly known for making the processor and all of a sudden they were, they, you know, we want to make a phone too. And then they're competing with all the other phones that they are providing the processor with. I don't know how, how far this is going to go. So I'm kind of hesitant for that, which is why I would probably go with the Sony instead. Nice. Wendy. I am, I'm stuck between both of them. And for some of the same reasons as Michael, I've had Sony phones in the past and absolutely loved them. I've actually had phones made by Asus too and really like the hardware itself. So when we're coming from, yes, this is a Qualcomm phone, but the actual company that's putting it together and putting it out, of course, isn't Qualcomm, but it is their chip. I have to say I've really enjoyed their hardware in the past as well. There's so many... Oh, I don't know. Are you actually going to make me choose? Because <laughs> You have to. Yeah, you're going to literally give your money to one of these companies, so you need to choose right now. <laughs> no pressure. In my I'm going Qualcomm. World. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it's something I haven't played with before. That's fair. All right, so you were looking for that new experience in there. Yeah. See, for me, I'm so bored with the phone market generally. I mean, some of this stuff I see is so exciting, but when I see what Sony's doing, when I take out the specs are interesting to read with both phones, but when I look at what Sony's doing that could potentially bring a privacy and security focused OS to open hardware is oh, yeah. more exciting. The potential there, because obviously this new phone doesn't, it's not in the list yet of phones that you could even do this with. But if Sony was to maintain that course, I would be so hardcore Sony all the time. It would be ridiculous. You all would be telling me to shut up about Sony. <laughs> I, I, the market is ripe for someone to come in and just whisper sweet nothings in my ear. And, and if it was Sony, they would say things like repairability. You can replace the battery, open hardware, open software, modular upgrades, a clean and slave free supply chain, privacy kill switches. And I would be all theirs. I would just melt into their arms. We would get married and live happily ever after. <laughs> oh, Sony. Yeah. I don't know why no phone manufacturer, major phone manufacturer, can accomplish those things because they would truly be the rebels in the market. Imagine if Sony came out with a fully repairable phone where you could take the battery out, the open hardware specs, open software specs, modular upgrades, so you can keep that same phone going and you don't have all this e-waste. They come in and say, hey, we're, we're really cleaning up our supply chain as well. And you got these privacy kill switches and they come out and say they're really private and unlike Apple and others, I mean, they literally do it. They actually put kill switches and make a secure operating system. And it would just, it would be amazing. I think it would dominate. 
Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe people just want phones they can't repair and that they throw <laughs> in the garbage every year. I don't know. Maybe they like their battery losing power, you know, losing ability to have a longer periods of time after three months. Maybe they enjoy having that just degrade over the time for no reason at all. And then having to replace their entire phone because their battery was not the best. But I, I, I think what you're saying is interesting because I would love for this to kind of this thing to happen. And and Sony is like kind of halfway there already. And all they have to do is just embrace the full concept of making this open hardware, open software type thing. And you know how a long time ago there was always these enthusiast phones. There were th- phones that were people would see these, you know, who cares these regular company phones. And then the one plus comes out and bam, it's an enthusiast phone. And now these days, it's not really an enthusiast phone. And you could say that for a lot of those, these types of, you know, companies that that make their brand on the enthusiast. And Sony doesn't need to do that. They already have the brand. They already have the, the skill of making a good phone. And if they were to embrace the enthusiast, they could become this darling in the phone market. Well, I know that's one of the reasons why I tried Sony in the first place. The Ultra was just too cool. I had to test it out. But I had, like I said, all kinds of weird phones. I don't know if anybody remembers the Asus Pad phone. I had one of those and absolutely enjoyed the heck out of it. So when it comes to weird mobile hardware, I'm in. (laughs) And you know, I think the problem is that the only show right now that I'm aware of, and I mean this, I'm not one to stroke my own ego. Okay, maybe I am. But the only show... I'm aware of out there that actually talks about these things like repairability, open hardware, modular upgrades, clean supply chains, privacy, is this show. I mean it. If you look at all the YouTubers out there that they get all the equipment sent to them, they never mention it. They never mention the fact you'll never be able to take out the battery. They never mention the fact that these phones are designed to be obsolete They never mention in a really negative tone some of the things that these companies are doing to kind of lock down the access to their phones. And because of that, if they don't care and they're the, what do they call them now, Michael? Influencers. 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 If they're the influencers and they don't talk about this stuff, then of course the public's just like, well, my favorite YouTuber likes it. So I guess that's the phone I'm going to get. And these manufacturers know it. The last time I remember hearing someone complain about not having a removable battery was right after they started making batteries not removable. Since then, it's now all of them don't have removable batteries, and that's just the way it is. Yep. You get people used to it, and then people just forget. And the problem is the individuals who could actually make a difference and their audiences don't have any expectations for the companies to do so. They don't think their voice matters. I'm telling you, it does. We have tens of thousands of listeners to this show, thanks to Wendy, not us. And if you, if your voice actually gets heard and you talk about this stuff and you ask on those YouTubers videos or any other thing, social media, that you see these phones and you say, hey, is it repairable? Can you replace the battery? The modular upgrades at least starts the conversation, I think, in the right direction mm-hmm. to start getting these companies to finally listen because They're not going to do it alone. These YouTubers make way too much money just talking about how great things are and reading off spec sheets. And so that's where things need to change so we can get an actual exciting phone again. Because I remember the days of getting a new phone and just sitting there and ignoring everyone just to play with all of the new features. It was so fun. It was so exciting. And now, because they just keep locking them down more and more and more, they're just utterly boring spec sheets. Yep. I I, th- I completely agree with that. I think that's a really interesting point about the whole influencer stuff with the YouTubers and whatnot. Not tr- not you know not calling out the ridiculous decisions that some of these companies are doing. We talked about how Apple stopped shipping chargers, and some of them kind of make a joke here and there, but they don't like outright say this is not acceptable. This is ridiculous. What if someone like myself decided to buy an iPhone? I don't have an iPhone charger to use previously. So I'd have to buy an extra thing to just to get a charger. And they're probably going to charge me 50, 60 bucks or something for the charger. That is insane. And, and on principle is a good way for me not to do it. And these YouTubers and influencers are 
ignoring this like it's normal. That's not normal. And also, these chargers are typically optimized for the phone so that the battery isn't damaged by the fast ultra charge whatever that you could mess up if you use the wrong charger. And then we're supposed to just expect people to know what right charger goes to the what, what phone. Like this, this kind of thing irks me. And we have some companies who see this as an option like where you can just choose to it, to have it included automatically, or if you don't want it, like that is acceptable, but not have it completely not included. And I think Sony to a point gets, there's a value in making sure that the consumer is able to have some level of control over their computer, of their, their phone, like they do with the open, you know, compatibility and having to be able to like change bootloaders and change on some of their phones. Anyway, being able to change the operating system and that sort of stuff, that would be amazing. I would love to have an incredibly powerful phone that I could, you know, tinker with. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is a password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as authentications, such as master passwords, adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host it, their security audits, plus I absolutely love their way of sharing files. Go check it out. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Want to help out this amazing open source project? You can get a premium account for just $10 per year. And what comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo. Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator, Storage, and Generation, plus Priority Customer Service. Make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us how we can get that shot. We got so sidetracked last week or last time we got together with spiders and all of that stuff, that we missed all of this other lighting stuff that I wanted to talk about. So we got done, and I'm like, yeah, that was a great, oh, crap. Half the stuff I wanted to talk about didn't make it into the show. So we're catching <laughs> up with that this week without the talk of the spiders. Ah, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference of reactions. I, I wanted to talk about nonsense, and he's like, no, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> Fair let's enough. Let's not do that. <laughs> Well, those pictures that I shared with you all last time we got together, I was using an off-camera flash with a light modifier on top of it. And that's a really easy way to get started. Most people can pick up an off-camera flash for fairly cheap. There are some remotes that you can get that really that setup doesn't cost a whole lot of money. But if you're wanting to get something that's really geared specifically for macro photography, because you're just going out and you're going to be taking all different kinds of shots with your macro lens. There's some other stuff that you can do to help kind of get those images. One of them is a ring flash. So this is a lot like a beauty dish, except for it's not metal. It doesn't have a reflective bounce to it. So this is almost like a softbox that goes completely around where your lens goes into the camera. One of the nice things about that is it gives you a great big light source for these tiny little objects, making the light look really soft. So I think we've talked about the difference between hard light and soft light before. And the difference between those two is what do the shadows look like? In soft light, you'll have a good smooth transition between the darkest part of the shadow to where the shadow ends. And something like hard light, think of what your shadow looks like at two o'clock in the afternoon, the sun's overhead and behind you is this really sharp shadow. That would be considered a hard light. So these these boxes that you put around your camera, or these rings that you put around your camera, they're big, which basically allows it to diffuse the light all around the subject. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's pretty much the idea for these. And the bigger the light source you have, the softer 
that light will be. One of the downsides of a light like this is you're not controlling you're not controlling the direction of light. So the light is always in the front of the subject. So if you're taking a picture of your flower from the front, it's going to be fully illuminated. And one of the downsides of something like this is you're losing some of the shadows, some of the depth when the light is only coming from the front. I prefer, and I think a lot of things look better if they're lit from the side or the back and not directly from the front. So it will give you a nice soft look, but you will be missing out on some of the depth and texture that you can get with, say, the off-camera flash because you can move exactly where that light source is going. Now you can get ring lights that attach to your camera. They either sit on top or you can move them around the multiple sides of the image. These are nice and they're super portable, especially if you're taking pictures of stuff outside. But you will definitely end up with a harsher light, a harsher looking shadow for most of these, just because they're so much smaller compared to what you'd get with the softbox style that goes around your camera lens. Now, if I'm wanting to take a picture of something really hideous, like I'm doing a shot of Michael. What kind of light would blow out his face? To I the think, point where I you think that actually what you're trying to say is that if you took a, ca- a, ca- a photo of my, of me with a, with a camera that you would have to somehow kind of dim the, the awesomeness and the aura that I protrude or protrude <laughs> that you'd have to make it so that you could, you got to light it just right. So I don't break the lens of the, with my, oh, my yeah, gloriousness. Lens, you, you shush. I would, it didn't. Okay, my my attempt didn't work out as well as your jab. Is that an artistic thing, Wendy, where you can just blow out the subject with light? Does anybody do that? Because that could be my thing. I'll be like the next Ansel Adams. I think you I can just... definitely do. It. I don't think I've seen anybody do that on purpose. Or really like, here, I meant to make sure you can't see the subject of my image. It's totally cool, yeah. right? That's like, gonna be my art. Style. He's just gonna point the camera towards <laughs> the sun and see. See, guess what? I did it. <laughs> There's also another really cool system out there, and it's a close-up speed light system, and they make different ones for different styles of cameras, but basically you have this attachment at the front of your lens, and then you have a speed light on either side. So think of that on-camera, off-camera flash, but now it's on either side of the subject, and depending on which one you go with, It can either light both sides of something, it can light one side of something, and you can have some control. Now, this is another case, though, where you're going to have this smaller light source, and so you can lose some of that texture, you can lose some of that detail, but at the same time, if you're needing to take a picture of something, say bugs, because that's usually what you're needing to have something like a really fast shot with, then you can get that, you can get this really nice crisp image of whatever you're taking a picture of with an extremely fast shutter speed. I like the idea of a speed light. Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Well, that's what I like my off-camera flashes for. I like those speed lights. I like having them to be able to use and manipulate. And the best thing about them is they are so lightweight and you can get so many different modifiers for them. The downside for most of them is They just don't have enough power if you're wanting to take pictures outside and use them as accent lighting. It can be a little bit difficult. Or in some cases, if you're wanting to, quote unquote, mimic the sun, they just don't have enough power to put out that much light. But really, they are an amazingly versatile tool that I think if you're really wanting to get serious about photography, they're a great tool to put in your bag that isn't going to cost a whole lot. There's one last light source that you can use. And out of all of these, it's my absolute least favorite. And they're shooting tents or shooting tables where basically you take your little whatever it is and you put it inside this white box and you have a light that goes either on the top or on the sides and it spreads that light evenly throughout everything. If you've ever seen a product shot on Amazon, they're typically done with this. You can't tell how most of that stuff looks accurately because there are no shadows. There is no texture. It illuminates everything absolutely evenly. It's totally boring. And I don't understand why these are a thing. But well, I think option. we could take the shooting tent and put it over Michael's head and then take a picture of him that way. 
and it won't scare people as much. <laughs> you tried too hard on that one. Uh, that's uh, come on. I respect. Come I respect on. the attempt to jab, but that was too much. I mean, uh, all right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm already. I thought go. we'd found a solution, but apparently, you can't use <laughs> a shooting. Gun. Even <laughs> that won't work, unfortunately. <laughs> so you're saying perfection is boring, Wendy? That's that's why the lighting perfection is boring. It's because I'm already there. <laughs> God, what have I done? I can't stand images where they have taken an evenly distributed light across absolutely everything and you're missing out on that depth. You're missing out on the texture because to me, that is part of what makes a great image. And when I'm looking at product stuff and it drives me nuts that this has become a thing in the product photography world is to take these blanket images of stuff where it's been put in a light box and there is no texture and depth and shadow. That's what makes things interesting. That's what lets me see, okay, this is what this actually looks like. This gives me an idea of what this will feel like. And sometimes if I'm looking at jewelry in my many ear piercings, I will skip the actual product photographies that are on the page and go look at images from people that have actually bought it because that usually gives me a better idea of the size and the color of something. Well, maybe not color, but it gives me a better idea of the jewelry itself where instead of their whitewashed, everything is bland. There's no shadow images. This reminds me of those commercials from Burger King and stuff where they show this really delicious hamburger and it's all perfect. Every seed is perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you go there and get it and you get this kind of slop, greasy wrapper thing that looks like it spent a week on the shelf. When, when you find out how they made those photos and it's like where they actually glued everything down. Like, oh, that delicious. Yeah. Yum. Those are tricks that were definitely used more in the time of film where you had to take a bunch of test shots with your Polaroid camera, make sure everything was good so the food was on the table longer. I have never used any of those tricks where stuff was fake, and I've seen some amazing stacked images where of floating food and things where it doesn't have to be glued down. I don't do food so much anymore because I've come to the point where I can't eat <laughs> almost anything, and it really is no fun to take pictures of stuff that you can't eat. It's like here's this piece of candy and you can't have it. Yeah, that's so, got to be a hard part of the job. I think part of them paying you to be a photographer for their food means they have to supply the food to you as the photographer. That should be the new thing. We're going to make that a thing. And I don't like food waste. I don't want any food that's going to be shot that can't actually be eaten. Well, that's our 40th episode of Hardware Addicts, and it's now a wrap. Some people say Hardware Addicts is perfectly imperfect. We want to thank you for listening to the show that sure. brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available. There is so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the Xperia of the show, and we'll see you next time for another well-lit episode of Hardware Addicts. Nice. Nailed that one.